the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre recorded. She can't possibly be this dumb. But then maybe she can. Uh, Democrats will tell you that Nancy Pelosi is the greatest Speaker of the House in United States history. She is the best female Speaker of the U.S. House uh, in U.S. history, I should say. I'll give her that. Of course, she's also the only one. And here's something else I'll give her. And now it's time for The Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. That's right. Nancy with the laughing face. Nancy Pelosi, who's been in Congress since the Truman administration and is a walking, talking, sometimes, I guess, uh, slurring advertisement for term limits. She gets the award, and all it took was a tweet. This is what this idiot tweeted after the Trump indictment came down. The grand jury has acted upon the facts and the law. No one is above the law, and everyone has the right to a trial to prove innocence. Hopefully, the former president will peacefully respect the system which grants him that right, unquote. That's right. Someone who rose to the office of Speaker of the House says that Donald Trump should be given the right to prove his innocence. Just in case you wondered if the indictment itself was proof that we're living in a banana republic, this demented creature lets you know that she's been under the impression that here in America... We're, we are required to prove our innocence. Apparently, nobody ever told Nancy about the quaint notion of, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Remember that one? It just doesn't get any dumber or any scarier than that. And she can mix herself a stiff drink to celebrate. And she can, I guess, join her husband there, just make sure he stays out of the car. But she can, uh, she can mix herself a stiff drink to celebrate because she blew away some pretty stiff competition this week to win the AM1250 The Answer Jerk of the Week Award. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about George Soros. Who is he? And why he had a lot to do with Donald Trump being indicted. And in our second half hour, why guys like me started dying off a long time ago, sort of. Stick around. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with My Pillow is launching My Pillow 2.0. When Mike invented My Pillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The My Pillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original My Pillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature regulating thread. The My Pillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the My Pillow 2.0 is buy one get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. Wouldn't it be great to work in a place that makes a positive impact on the people, businesses, and churches around you? That place exists. I know because I work there. My name is Cassie, and I'm the digital marketing specialist with Salem Media Group in Pittsburgh. Right now, Salem Surround has an opening for one talented salesperson to join our team. Is that you? We'll bring the training. You just bring the talent. An understanding of digital marketing and some direct sales experience will definitely help you stand out. What are you waiting for? Take the first step to a career that is challenging, rewarding, and helps to create terrific results for our amazing customers. 
Join the sales team at Salem Media Group Pittsburgh. Email your resume to brad.marshall at salempittsburgh.com. That's brad.marshall at salempittsburgh.com. Salem Media Group is an equal opportunity employer. The word is out. People are abandoning their overpriced wireless carriers and flocking to Pure Talk for the same 5G coverage, but at a fraction of the price. In fact, the average family saves over $800 a year when switching from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. Or if you still want unlimited data, you can get that and still save a fortune. So make the switch and get the same coverage as the big guys, but at half the price. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code half off, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code half off. Switch to Pure Talk and get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month because Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. My son Finn was born with congenital heart disease. He ended up spending about the first eight months of his life in the hospital. During that time, he endured 10 surgeries, including an open heart surgery. Starlight Children's Foundation has played an important role in my family's life. For five weeks when he was a baby, Finn lived in a Starlight Hero wagon. You could not understand the pure joy of having him go from a hospital bed into his favorite red wagon. Starlight doesn't just give items that hospitalized kids can use to keep themselves happy, but also memories, moments, and experiences which are so needed in times like these. They allow sick kids to just be kids for a little while. The support that Starlight provides to families like mine is an integral part to creating happiness at a time when there's very little to be found. Learn more about how Starlight Children's Foundation brightens the lives of sick kids by visiting starlight.org today. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. So who is George Soros and what might he have had to do with Donald Trump being indicted? And why do liberals hate it so much when his name comes up? Well, David Harsani is senior editor at The Federalist and... He joins us now to see if he can help us clear that up. David, thanks for being here. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, uh, David, in your piece today, you talk about the criticism Ron DeSantis down in Florida got for mentioning that the DA who indicted Trump, that would be Alvin Bragg, is a Soros-backed Manhattan district attorney. That's how um, DeSantis referred to him. Where was DeSantis wrong on that? <laughs> he he wasn't. All the words of that claim are correct and factual, but, you know, cynically, a bunch of leftists went on TV and claimed that uh, Ron DeSantis was being anti-Semitic by pointing it out because George Soros happens to be Jewish. Yeah, and that, there's a lot of that uh, going, around, uh, going around. We'll talk about that. But Joe Scarborough, who I, I, I just can't believe it. I don't know about you, David. Every day it just stuns me about what, be, what might be the most uh, drastic um, political turnaround in American media history, how he used to be a Republican, supposedly. He accused Republicans of, as you point out, blaming everything on international Jewish bankers. I mean, where's he going with that? Who would the other international Jewish bankers be who are constantly accused of doing bad things? Well, I mean, you know, in the last century, quite often, anti-Semitism would have to do with, uh, you know, bankers controlling the nation or undermining, you know, the, the na- a nation in Europe, you know, using their money and so forth. Uh, but that's, of course, ridiculous in this case, because George Soros literally and openly and transparently <laughs> throws tons of money into hard left causes here in the United States. He admits that we know he does it. He's allowed to do it. And no one wants to really, I mean, there's no way to stop him from doing it, but we're allowed to mention it. And certainly Ron DeSantis who's a a good friend of Israel and who has done nothing, uh, you know, anti-Semitic or said anything anti-Semitic is surely allowed to point that out without being called an anti-Semite by Joe Scarborough, who will say anything for ratings. Just as an aside, I don't know, I I can't watch that show for 30 seconds, but um, I do remember when he first showed up at MSNBC and probably, I don't know, I think MSNBC, MSNBC might still have been relatively new at that time. He might have started when it started. I don't remember. 
but he was around a long time ago, and I used to look at him as a Republican, and uh, and I maybe even a conservative. I, I, it's just stunning to me the turnaround that he's made. Is it, is it because of his wife? Do you think? I don't know why, but I, I do know that he. You know, listen. I think a lot of people change their minds about certain uh, you know issues or whatever. They explain. Uh, or at least I think a pundit should explain why he changed his mind, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not just, uh, you know, turn around. You, you'll remember he was really big pro-Trump guy in the beginning, too. Had him on the show like 50 times him. or some huge number. Yeah, he loved him. And when he was, you know, when, when Trump uh, decided not to like him back anymore, then Joe Scarborough did, you know, what he needed to do for ratings. I don't think that he's a principled person at all. And, I mean, I don't like to, you know, throw ad hominem attacks at people right. or personal attacks. But the bottom line is he never defends his positions. Listen to this. The, today, the quote you read about how he was being anti-Semitic, you know, how DeSantis yeah. was being anti-Semitic in one of his guests was Al Sharpton when he was saying it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in, in the late 90s, he actually had a resolution in Congress when he was a congressman, Scarborough, saying that Al Sharpton was, you know, condemning Al Sharpton. And now Al Sharpton's his best buddy because they work together at the same you know, network. So, I mean, the guy's a complete fraud. Well, and, and he's obviously, um, he works in television, and he knows who his audience is. And mm-hmm. um, it's, I don't know, again, uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about him, but <laughs> oh, I guess we are. Uh, he, it's just blatant pandering. I don't know if I've ever seen more blatant pandering. If you believe at all that he was the guy who he said he was 20 years ago, and unless you believe that somebody can make that drastic of a change without having been influenced by his paycheck. You know, there's a lot of people who who when Donald Trump became president, they, you know, pretended to be principled conservatives and so on. And you can be principled. And I don't like everything Donald Trump did either. But what they did was give actually give up all their principles, you know, to hate Donald Trump. They're willing to break norms. They don't care. You know, if there's politically motivated, uh, you know, attack on Donald Trump, you don't have to like Donald Trump to know that this uh, that Alvin Bragg is is just using this flimsy camp seven year old campaign finance uh, uh, accounting error or whatever it is to go after the 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 presidential candidate of the Republican Party. Probably, I mean. Um, so anyway, I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent, but it's it's clear to me he has no principles. Well, and he also, and others also, not just Scarborough, but he and uh, they they've been around long enough to know that Soros spends lots of money promoting socialist and Marxist causes. They all know that, don't they? Of course, they know that. Yeah, they know that. He's the number one individual who gives money to American politics. Number one out of all of them. And isn't it convenient that we're not allowed to mention his name? I mean, that is just ridiculous. So if I say the word name Soros, I'm an anti-Semite because, but because I mentioned that he is uh, the person who spent, I think, around $70 million trying to get these sorts of DAs and prosecutors into place in major urban areas. He gave that guy, Alvin Bragg, a million dollars, really $7 million to the organization that helped him. So it is completely factual to mention that, and it's, it's part of the debate, and it's an important part of the debate. And the subheadline of your piece says, for Democrats, anti-Semitism is just another cynical political tool. Why is that, and how long do you think that's been going on? Is that a relatively new thing? Yes, it is relatively new, I'd say. I mean, it's, it always goes on in politics where people will accuse you of being like during the Obama years. They'll accuse you of being racist, even though nothing you're saying is racist when you attack the president, right? So they do the same thing now. Um, you know, with Soros and in, in other ways, too. I mean, there's a ton of uh, real, genuine anti-Semitic sentiment within the Democratic Party, especially from the progressive end of the Democratic Party, from the uh, Ilhan Omar end of the Republican pa- of the uh, Democratic Party, I'm sorry, um, which they never condemn. But if you say something about George Soros, who's supposed to be the stand-in for all Jewish people, who, by the way, doesn't even identify really with the Jewish people. It doesn't matter to him. He said this openly on 60 Minutes. Um, then suddenly you're anti-Semitic. And by the way, also, George Soros funds BDS, which is a, a genuinely anti-Semitic movement. And yet, that's fine with everyone, but when you mention his name, they pretend you're anti-Semitic. I mean, why would DeSantis <laughs> throw out um, dog whistle, anti-Semitic dog whistles. He is the governor of Florida, which has a big Jewish population. There are a few Jewish people it, living there, yeah. 
Yeah. Why would he do it? What is even what would even what would he gain from it? I yep. guess these people think every, everyone in the Republican Party is just a real a Nazi underneath it all, and, and that's why he does it. I don't know. Yeah, so how much uh, influence does Soros actually have? I mean, you mentioned how much money he spends, but is it possible to measure the scope of his influence on politics in America? I don't think things like that are quantifiable, but yeah. I mean, he's obviously a very important guy who drives policy because if he decides... I forgot how much he spent. Like, I think he spent maybe in the last election, like, I'm not sure if this number is exactly correct, but something like $170 million himself. I'm not saying that people, I I think people overstate the importance of money in politics quite often, you know, but I do think it matters. I think that the kind of candidates he gives money to and lifts up are the kind of candidates he agrees with, which are on the far left. So I don't, you know, I mean, so he certainly matters, and he matters more than you or I or, or most people, right? So, yeah, he matters. Well, um, I, I just wonder, is, is, is he in it for the money? Is he, is he getting a return on his investment financially? Or is he that, do you think he's that much of an ideologue and that much of a Marxist and, a, and an anti-American person that he just, you know, I, I just picture this guy sitting somewhere, wherever he sits, you know, rubbing his hands together as he writes out checks. I mean, the amount of money this guy has is abstract. There's no way we can put our, you know, wrap our minds around it. He's got billions and billions and billions. So for him, a hundred and whatever million is not, doesn't change his lifestyle. So I think he's an ideologue. I don't think he's doing it for the money. I think he's doing it to change the world in an image that he thinks it should be in. Um, I don't even really, you know, he's, not exactly a Marxist, I would call him. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely on the far left, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I think he's an ideologue, most likely, yeah. You know, now, um, being Jewish, as you mentioned, uh, even though he doesn't really uh, claim his Jewishness, um, does, does, does being Jewish actually do, it does protect him from criticism then? Um, the same way that being black, in many ways, uh, uh, protected Obama and that it's not an accident, is it, that you are meant, you are, um, it's possible that as if you're a media person, you become gun shy about criticizing them because you're afraid of being accused of being anti-Semitic. That's exactly right. It's, that's why they do it. They do it to chill speech. You know, they tried this during the Obama years. Whenever you said anything, they would call you racist, though yeah. nothing, you know, the things you were saying had nothing to do with race. Right. The mere fact that you oppose Barack Obama or you oppose George Soros makes you a bigot, they say. You know, you can't, we cannot give in to this sort of thing, even though, you know, we get bogged down in it quite a bit. But you can't give in because you don't get a special dispensation from debate just because you happen to be born Jewish or black or whatever. And, uh, there are plenty of, you know, there are plenty of people. We all have some sort of identity, and just because someone attacks us does not mean they're attacking that identity. It just doesn't work that way. Imagine if what we would have put up with if we were now in the middle of Hillary Clinton's second term. <laughs> We'd be misogynists for oh, sure. But you couldn't. You wouldn't be able to criticize <laughs> her about anything. And you have people like uh, Alex Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. She doesn't. Nothing comes out of her mouth that doesn't include some kind of accusation about racism, sexism, transphobia, homophobia, something. Right. When you see the whole world through, like, the prism of identity and race, then this is how maybe you view the world. So maybe it's not always cynical. Maybe people actually view the world this way. So, you know, I mean, there's there's nothing you can do about that. I think that's a that's a separate issue, a very big problem in this country that 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 you view people and judge them by immutable characteristics that have nothing to do with what they're doing or thinking, simply just how they were born. I mean, that's very un-American. And the the, the way uh, they're conducting this debate, the thing they just did with Soros, it's very un-American, too. We're talking to David Harsani. He's senior editor at The Federalist. You can find him at thefederalist.com. Uh, so, but there's, getting back to uh, Bragg, is there any doubt that he backed Bragg? Because Bragg seems to be saying things like, uh, you know, I, he didn't. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And I think you point out in your piece that Soros is saying, I never met the guy. <laughs> well, there, every time this something like this happens, and someone says, uh, you know, or DeSantis says, you know, he's a Soros-backed candidate, they'll say, oh, he didn't actually back him because it was only, you know, a Soros 
like group that gave him money. It wasn't, you know, there was no picture of Soros shaking his hand and hanging, handing him a bag of money. So right. it couldn't possibly mean that he's actually backing him. It's just semantic nonsense and they know it. It's like, remember when we had the recession and they said, oh, no, it's not technically, you know, it, they just always get hung up on the word. It's a complete distraction. Of course, George Soros wrote a, an editorial last year in the Wall Street Journal praising the kind of work Alvin Bragg does and, pra- and saying he was openly, openly saying he's going to keep funding candidates like that. I he supported him. Of course, he backed him ideologically and with fi- financially. And uh, spending millions for bad prosecutors seems kind of a pretty sneaky thing to do, doesn't it? I mean, it's kind of under the radar. Nobody, nobody really pays attention except people it, like you and me, who, who the district attorney is, or you know, who's running for that office. The, most voters don't even pay attention to it. Yeah, I mean, not even you and me. I don't even know who yeah. the DA is. For right. life. I mean, yeah, I mean, right. these races used to almost spend no money, right? And yeah. now they put and pump millions into them because of George Soros. Now, now Republicans have to start thinking about that as well. Obviously, in these big cities, you're not going to get many Republicans usually running anyway. But, you know, they're letting people, I'm not saying all of it's their fault, but a lot of the spike in criminality in those cities has to do with their policies. And that's just, that's just, it seems to me a fact from, you can see it in on the graph of when they took over and when crime started to spike. Yeah, and uh, I don't know about you, but I have trouble figuring out why someone would uh, all of a sudden decide that, you know, I don't think we have enough criminals on the street. We need to stop arresting so many criminals. Who? Well, I mean, that's a kind of a new thing. Well, in the 70s, it used to happen. And, uh, you know, then in, by the 90s, when criminality was really high and crime rates are high everywhere, the the more aggressive DA and more aggressive prosecutors took over in many cities and the crime, you know, went down a bit, not only because of that, but partially because of that. There's this ph- ph- philosophy that if you're nice to criminals and you can reform them and things are going to, you know, they'll be released and get better, but it doesn't really work like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so. yeah. Well, but they uh, I, I, I know that there's always been crime and then less crime and, you know, uh, Rudy Giuliani and all that stuff. But I don't remember ever um, hearing about uh, hearing a district attorney say publicly that he's no longer going to prosecute uh, shoplifting. And, you know, all, there's a list of things that we're not going to bother prosecuting anymore, which is an invitation to, to the, crim- the crime committing uh, community to go out and do those things. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty open minded to any kind of reform where we can help people who are addicted to drugs or are homeless or have mental illness, maybe, and help try trying to help them. But you have hardened criminals, and those are not the people we should be trying to incentivize to do their work. And yet that's what this kind of reform does. So I don't really get it. And the people vote. No matter how much money George Soros gives Alvin Bragg, it's in the end, it's the voters who go out and put him in power. So right. I don't know. Right. If they kind of deserve what happens to them. Right. And uh, I mean, not, no one deserves to be murdered. Right. But I mean, you know, in general, they deserve it. And it, they're the only ones who can change that. You get you get what you vote for. I got about a minute and a half left, uh, uh, David. You're also the author of a book called First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun. So I have to get your reaction to the reaction from gun controllers to the shooting in Nashville. Anything new there? Got about a little over a minute. Well, I mean, my heart always drops after these things, not because not only because it's just a horrible incident, but because I know exactly where the debate's going to go. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens, it's going to be, the you know, if it's a ideologically or some kind of philosophical thing where someone murders someone, it's going to be conservatives' fault. And if it's a leftist who does it, it's still going to be the conservatives' fault, you know? Right, right. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're back to talking about AR-15s. We're back to talking about banning guns, things that are ne- not really going to happen in this country. So this debate, instead of thinking about the mental illness aspects, instead of thinking about helping in your community and things like that, we're back to what we always are. Yeah, well, that's where we are. Hey, hey uh, David, always good to have you on the show. Uh, I thank you for coming on again. We'll do it again sometime soon, I hope. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you. Okay, that's David Harsani. You can find him at thefederalist.com. I'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Former President Trump arraigned on Tuesday. After his indictment, it came after a grand jury probe into hush money paid during the 2016 presidential campaign. In remarks at the National Review Institute, 
Former Vice President Mike Pence says the Trump indictment sends a troubling message to the world. There are dictators and authoritarians around the world that will point to that uh, to justify uh, their own abuse of their own uh, so-called justice system. So I, I, I'm, I'm very troubled by it, but I think the American people will see through it. The indictment itself has remained sealed for now. The Commerce Department reports the consumer price has rose three-tenths percent from January to February. That's down from a six-tenths percent increase from December to January. On Wall Street, the Dow ahead 270 points. The S&P is up 37. This is SRN News. This Easter season, join world-renowned tenor Andrea Bocelli for an unforgettable journey of hope, beauty, and music. Experience musical performances from Michael W. Smith, Tori Kelly, Taya, and Torn Wells across the awe-inspiring Italian countryside. The Journey, a music special from Andrea Bocelli, brings you face-to-face with the moments in life that define us, the music that moves us, and the relationships that matter most. The Journey, a music special from Andrea Bocelli in theaters April 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 6th. Find out more at thejourney.movie. That's thejourney.movie. Are you looking for a meaningful way to preserve our nation's history? Consider purchasing a Blueprints of Liberty brick. Each purchase helps to build Liberty Village, a unique destination that brings our founding history to life. This family-friendly location will provide an opportunity for youth and visitors to encounter our founding history like never before. Visit unitedwepledge.org to order your Blueprints of Liberty brick today. Hey, John Steigerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Master's technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Make sure you demand the yellow van. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Service master. Dennis Prager believes it's a strange world. She murdered because of anger at Christianity for having the temerity of stating that there are only two sexes and you cannot become the other one. That's it. That is what it takes a day to be considered a hater. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1250. The answer. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM 1250. The Answer. Weather. A high wind watch in effect tomorrow morning through tomorrow evening. For tonight, windy and mild. Periods of rain and a thunderstorm, low 53. Winds gusting past 45 miles per hour tomorrow. Some sunshine then turning cloudy with a heavy gusty thunderstorm in the afternoon. Strong winds can produce power outages and tree damage will reach a high of 67. Mostly sunny skies Sunday with a high of 50. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Hey, I found out something interesting today. I was once a god walking among mere mortals. That's what uh, John Wertheim wrote at SI.com a little while ago. He wasn't just talking about me, though. He was talking about uh, lots of people. Um, he was talking about TV sports anchors back in the good old days. And the rest of the sub-headline says, now they're lucky to get two minutes, which is true. That's a big fall. The headline in in, uh, big letters says, the death of the local sports anchor. 
a topic near and dear to my heart. I wanted to talk about it, so I called another god among mere mortals. That would be <laughs> Frank Bull, a Pittsburgh guy who was a sports anchor in Kansas City for 35 years. He joins us now. So were you a god walking among mere mortals out there in Kansas City for all those years? Stag. You used to tell me you were. I know that. (laughs) Well, of course, I told everybody that naturally, but I was uh, one of the children of a lesser god. We'll put it that way. How's that sound? Yeah, right. So (laughs) so this is a topic um, that may interest us a lot more than it interests everybody else, but uh, it's my show, uh, and it's Friday, so let's go. What's happened to the local sports anchor? Both of us did it for a long time. It's something I pay attention to because I I realize that I never, and I mean never, watch local news. Never. And and that includes local sports, of course. Yeah, I think the biggest problem, I think we were our own worst enemies, I think, uh, especially recently. And you and I talked about this a little earlier today, the fact that they would just regurgitate what had happened maybe three or four hours earlier, say you had an afternoon baseball game or you had a, you know, a, a twilight doubleheader type thing. You just start showing the highlights. People have already seen it on TV most likely. And they wanted to see it instantly these days. They could see it on their telephone really, really quick, you know, on their cell phone. But, um, I think that was part of it. I think consultants getting in there and telling everyone that weather was, you know, five times more important to sports because they actually get about five times the appearances that sports does. I think what they've done here, they've morphed a little bit around where if there's a big sports story, say an Andy Reid or a Patrick Mahomes comes out and says something pertinent, uh, that they'll put it in the first segment of the newscast and then they will just eliminate the sports cast totally from the newscast, figuring you got your 90 seconds in the first segment. We won't need you then later in, in the news. So, and, and I think, John, like you said, they're just, I, I think in the last 10 years, maybe my last day on television was, I think, June 2nd, 2017. And even since that time, it is really gone downhill as far as time, mm-hmm. importance, what people do. People don't attack stories anymore. People are not critical. The sports guys aren't critical anymore. And I don't just mean be critical to be critical, but I mean if there's a problem, a team loses, they did something wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to point that out is not a sin against that franchise, okay? The players are smart enough to know, you know, we did stink, you know, at that point. Right. But these people are just so afraid to be critical uh, in, in any in any way, shape, or form. They're all cheerleaders carrying pom-poms now, and that's just the way they do it. Well, and, and not, we weren't going to talk about this, but on the news side, they're not critical either. And they're, they basically read news uh, press releases from the politicians. That's what they do on the on the news. I don't know about Kansas City, but that's what happens here. Um but uh, Kansas City's a great sports town. Uh, what was life like there for a sports anchor? Were you as recognized as the mayor, as the story says? Because as ridiculous as that sounds, I was. And that wasn't because of me, you know. It was because of the job I had. I, I, I was, yeah. There were, there were 150,000 people watching me on a given night. Yeah, exactly. It was way different then. There was no cable access or, or outlet, so they had to get their news from you. And then all of a sudden, ESPN came along. We should have realized at that point that this is going to change the ball game. And to be able then to delve into other things that are local. You know, if you watch a newscast, I know you do not, it's, it's amazing how many stories we'll get from like, well, in Norway, this ice, uh, this ice shelf broke off. Yeah. Or... In Seattle, you know, um, they had a problem with the Bainbridge Ferry going across yeah, from, yeah. from you know, downtown Seattle to Bainbridge. And, and you're going, what does that have to do with me? Mm-hmm. I mean, that has, that has no impact on me. Delve into some local stuff, local politics or whatever that's going to impact my daily life. But it's, it's just gotten lazy all the way around. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's the word. It's lazy. Um, that you... <laughs> It, you, you and I both worked in TV, so I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but TV stations have access to stuff being sent to them every day that they can just flip a switch and that'll take up a minute and a half of their newscast, and they're happy to put it on, as opposed to having a, someone working in an assignments department 
uh, who says, uh, listen, this is the story we're going to do. There's this issue, and I want to track down this politician, and I want you to you know, ambush him when he comes to his car down in Washington because we have a reporter working down there chasing our local right. politicians around. Nobody does anything like that. And, and in sports, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It, it, they've, they've, they've become afraid, as you said, to uh, be critical of the team because they, they'll, their access will be taken away. Yeah, and I'll just give you a real prime example. I worked with a guy at our radio station who was actually the part owner of a radio station, and I I, I double dipped. I did radio and TV from oh about 2001 till 2017, and now I'm just I just do radio at this point, a lot, a lot like you. But he was our he was one of our owners at our radio station, and he was uh, Andy Reid. Of course, lost one of his sons tragically to a drug overdose when the Eagles, when Andy was head coach of the Eagles. Then his son, Britt Reed, who was on his staff here in Kansas City, came out of just before the Super Bowl uh, that they lost here recently, uh, that uh, came out of there like the day before they were going to leave. Uh, he was uh, intoxicated, and he left the, uh, the the sports complex, headed home, uh, hit the back end of a car as he was getting on an on-ramp and critically, not critically, but she was severely injured, a young lady. Uh, the Chiefs settled out of court with the family so that they would not sue. And, uh, you know, our, our, our guy, the guy who was on the radio with us, just said, hey, look, you know, when it comes to players at risk in the NFL who may be free agents or whatever and looking for a place to land, Kansas City's probably not the best place for them to be because Andy Reid can't even handle his own children, let alone handle a, you know, a football player who is at risk. And that just, I mean, it was like uh, the end of the world. Here nuclear. In for yeah. A while. yeah, it went nuclear at that point. Um, eventually that co-owner and reporter lost his job. They bought him out. They got him out of the radio station and, you know, the chiefs had threatened our station with, uh, with lawsuits, et cetera, pulling our credentials, never to be allowed back in a complex again. And so then they, they just went from there and just turned it from there. Yeah. And, uh, to be clear here, uh, and the reason that was, a uh, to put a little bit of context in that. The Chiefs had some players, troublemakers, uh, guys who got in trouble that were star players that had to be released or they got suspended. And that was probably the time when he was talking about that, that saying that Andy Reid, the coach of the Chiefs, sh- shouldn't think he can handle these guys. It was a kind of, it sounds to me like a, a, a true statement. Yeah, well, at the point, you know, Javon Belcher, I don't know if you remember that from a few years ago. He's the one that he killed his girlfriend. Yeah. Then he walked over to the Chiefs uh, complex, and he sat in a parking lot, and he called his position coach and said, Coach, I'm in a bad way. I just killed my girlfriend. And the coach goes, don't do anything. I'm coming right out. He came out, and he killed himself right in front of the coach. Oh. And then before that, now we're talking about during the Marty Schottenheimer, Carl Peterson era, we had Bam Morris and Tamaric Vanover and a few players yeah. like that who were pretty bad actors, and uh, it became a problem. And uh, so it, it is not new. It's probably not new to any franchise. Right. Every franchise has probably had their player uh, that or players that have uh, you know caused some problems and. They just, you know, sometimes they just try to sweep it under the rug so they could, you know, it's all about winning football games. Well, I uh, a couple of things. I, I had a story here about uh, Joey Porter, who at the time was a coach for the Steelers. His son, who's about to become a number one draft pick, pretty good player, Penn State, cornerback, um, was playing at North Catholic, and so was Mike Tomlin's son. And I got, uh, someone told me, that uh, they were having problems with Tomlin and Porter showing up at games and giving ref- the officials problems and uh, uh, sitting in places where they weren't supposed to sit. I can't remember the details, but I checked into it. And then there was an incident where Porter was at a game, I think it was Riverview, and uh, North Catholic was playing there, and the the cops had to come because they wanted to get – I don't know if it was both Porter and Tomlin. It might have been just Porter in this case, removed from the field. And uh, I called the cops, and they told me that it was true. 
I wrote a story about it in my column. Nobody in the re- in the in the local media touched it. Nobody did anything with yeah, it. Yeah, right. And when they, one person did ask the Steelers about it, and they said, uh, "Well, we saw that there, there there was no sources. That was a rumor." Well, I, I had in the story that I that it was the Riverview. I hope I'm getting the name of the police department right, but uh, if I'm not, I apologize. But uh, the Riverview Police, I said, said that they were there and blah blah blah. And it, all it would have taken, Frank, would be for uh, somebody in the Steelers' front office to pick up the phone, call the cops, and say, hey, I got a report that one of my guys, my coaches, was causing problems there. And, uh, you know, they could have looked into it, done something about it. They just denied it, and nobody else in the media touched it. And 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 uh, Joey Porter's gone now, but his son may end up playing here now. But um, so the, the, the idea that you're going to do a story – that's going to be critical of the Steelers like that. It's just it's non-existent anymore for that reason. They're so dependent on making sure that the the players are available for boring interviews, uh, you know, on Tuesday after practice, or or they ignore the media altogether. Sneak out the back door, they don't shower, you know, they just head home yeah. and yeah. you don't see them, or you get access to them once a week, and they have designated guys they bring in, and they rotate those guys every week. I mean, two guys here who are. Front and center every week are Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Kelsey does his day sometimes, sometimes he doesn't. Uh, and then they'll just they'll rotate other players in and out. But you don't really get – there's no access to the locker room for all practical purposes. And if there is, a lot of the players that don't want to talk to you can escape mm-hmm. and just go back in the training room or they sneak out the back door or they go somewhere else where if they just don't want to talk to you. Well, and and we had people here in Pittsburgh. Myron Cope being the most uh, uh, obvious person who used to do. He, he did a commentary every night. We had right. uh, and uh, pretty far back, but we had we had Bill Curry here. He did a commentary every night, and he would mm-hmm. call people dumb dumbs. And he he was an unbelievably good writer for television. I did commentaries. The news director came to me and said, "Hey, we want you to start doing commentaries at eleven o'clock." Uh, and can you imagine that happening now? And and they no. never. And I didn't have to bring my script into the news director and say, "Here's my commentary for tonight," and have him or her approve it. I just did it. That ain't happening now. No, that that doesn't happen now. Everybody's afraid of. They're all afraid of the, uh, of the franchise. They're afraid to lose their access and their credentials to the franchise. And like, I, I think that story was uh, about Fred Rogan. Not that. Uh, KNBC, I think, in yeah. L.A., correct? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Rogan saw it early, and he started doing different things. He'd do a lot of high school stuff. He'd do a lot of, you know, faces in the news or faces in sports type things of people you haven't heard of or things that you have. Because he said, like anything else, you can get all the stuff. You can get all the Angels highlights and all the Dodgers highlights and, you know, whoever, the Rams. Uh, and not the only Dodgers that, Frank, but you, you, you watched the game. When I started and you started. Yes. They they weren't even televising home games, and the Pirates were televising 35, 40 games a year. So people didn't need uh, people needed to see the highlights because they heard in 1986 that Mario Lemieux scored four goals, and the game wasn't on TV. Yeah. So they wanted to watch me to see the highlights. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally changed because everything has access. All baseball has their channels. Every NFL game's on, obviously. Uh, so you know, if you got an NBA team or like you guys back there, you have an NHL team. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you can get those those highlights. You can get almost immediately if a guy scores a goal. You go on Twitter and you find their beat reporter. He's tweeting out and he'll show you the goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, hey, it's one up in Pittsburgh in the first period. Boom! Here's the goal. And then you go back and write Twitter. Twitter is the thing that should have really woken everybody up mm-hmm. because it is the way 90% of the people get their news. Okay, they get their sports news. Mm-hmm. And if they are sports people, all they have to do is follow the correct people, get everything from their own market, and they have it. And then you have all these offshoots. You know, you have the you have all of these uh, platforms of people who have their own little websites and their own podcast, and they're doing chief things every day. You know, they're they're giving you who they think they're going to draft, who the free agents are, oh, yeah, who's yeah, coming yeah. in. Ad nauseum. Yeah. 
Right. This, that, you know, all speculation. Nothing, you know, in, in concrete, see, it's obviously you, you don't know who they're going to draft anyway, but yeah. that's part of the problem as well. So I think it's just a matter of time. I think at least one station in Phoenix has dropped their local sports altogether, uh, in, and they did it years ago. They did it maybe four or five years ago, and they've never, they've never come back to it. And, uh, One of our stations dropped sports, and they went to, oh, they went to what they called Spectrum Sports. It was like a, they had their own platform. They did sports every night, cable channel somewhere. Yeah, it was and like they, KBL here, people remember here, and, and right, AT&T they, they Sports. Outsourced it, right, they outsourced it to this outfit. So the outsourced outfit would do the sports every night on the network affiliate. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I mean, it was just weird. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, um, this isn't going to change. I think it's over with. Um, and, you know, what's sad is that when, when what you're describing and you and I are talking about here is the case, it becomes incumbent upon the sports guy, the, the people running the station, the news director, the executive producer, to come up with a way to, to uh, appeal to local sports fans and and they don't do their jobs. They sit there and watch the local sports guy throw highlights up there at 11 o'clock and, and think that they're doing a good job. And I want to make sure, and I'm sure it's the same for you in Kansas City, I have friends still working in TV here, and I don't blame them at all. I know what they're right. dealing with. They're not allowed yep. to say boo because the nurse director will second-guess them on it. So I'm not, right. I'm not criticizing the, the guys on the air, but it's, it, there's no support, right? No, absolutely not. You've got to you've got to go to war with your uh, with your GM and your news director, and sometimes that might mean you know you're in the middle of a three year contract. You ain't getting a fourth year, okay? <laughs> you aren't getting a three year deal. Yeah. So guys have families. I understand. I understand the battle they're waging. I wage that battle forever, right to the last day. And um, you have a Pittsburgh has a perfect alternative outlet. In coverage and what you do, you got, you know, high school sports is huge. It's huge here yeah, too. Yeah. College sports, the, the stories behind the stories, not the highlights, mm-hmm. but the stories about the people who are making highlights and doing it. You, you can, you can uh, gather your own audience doing that. We started high school football coverage here when I got here in 1981. Pittsburgh's been doing high school football coverage since the 60s. Yep. I remember playing, being on TV when I was playing high school football for Central Catholic. Yep. And I, you know, guys would come up and do an interview with you, and they'd have to race the film back and have it oh, yeah. you know, put it in the bath back in the old days. But, you know, you've been doing that forever, but that we got away from that. That's what they should go back to. Well, it's never going to happen, but uh, Frank, I'm out of time. I think the way this uh, to sum this thing up would be to say, you and I got in when the getting was good, and we got out when the getting was good. I know I did. Yeah, it was a go- it was a golden age of we were, television for us. We were gods. We were gods walking among <laughs> mere mor- mortals. Well, then bless you, my son, and please bless me. I okay? bless you, and we'll talk again right, soon, partner. man. Always good to talk Anytime, to you. Anytime, Stack. Hang in talk there. To you later. We'll be back. Yeah, you too. If you have an IRA or 401k, please listen closely. My name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. Throughout my career, let's just say I've been in some hairy situations. And I believe right now the biggest threat facing Americans is they need to protect their wealth, which is exactly what I'm doing for my wife and six kids. And I believe the ultimate safe haven is physical gold and silver. You can protect your hard-earned retirement assets with a tax-free loophole that allows you to convert your retirement into physical gold and silver. The folks I use are Advantage Gold, and believe me, I've investigated the heck out of all types of people. Advantage Gold is the nation's highest rated gold company. They have the best process, pricing, and service. If you want to get your free gold and silver investment kit, please contact Advantage Gold right now, and you'll see how easy it is to protect yourself with precious metals. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Well, just when you 
thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, I'm glad to have that conversation with Frank Bull. I have a couple, about a little less than two minutes here. I want to tell you the quick story. If I've told it again, I told it before, I, I don't mind telling it again. This is along the same lines of our previous conversation. Uh, ben Roethlisberger got in the motorcycle accident that everybody knows about, and people were all concerned, rightfully so. The vigils at the hospital, everybody really worried about it. And he got got out of the hospital. He ends up, you know, being fine, has a has a nice career. But after he got out, he said, you know, he learned a lesson. I'm never going to ride a motorcycle without a helmet again. And I thank all the people who showed the support and all the stuff that you would expect Tim to say. Well, not long after he got out, he got back up on the motorcycle, and a reporter from KDK TV happened to be riding on the out on the road, and uh, there was a line of motorcycles and a guy. In the line of cycles, pointed toward the front, and they the, the news car drove up. The reporter was riding shotgun. He took out the camera from the back seat and took a shot of Ben Roethlisberger riding his motorcycle without a helmet. And Ben Roethlisberger flipped him the bird. So when this reporter gets back to KDKA TV, he goes up to John Verrilli, the news director, and he says, I got this video. Look at this. He looks at it, and he says, that will never see the light of day. Give me that video, and it never was on TV because John Verrilli was gutless, and he didn't want to show, he didn't want the Steelers to get mad at KDKA, and um, that's the story. That's the way things are now in local news, and uh, that is a 100% true story, and there are more. But you know what? I'm out of time. I'll talk to you on Monday. John Steckerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.